I hope you have your Bible with you today because we'll be turning to an Old Testament passage from the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible, open it to Proverbs chapter 30. And uh, in just a minute, we'll look at a few verses from that chapter. You know, when I was a child, I used to like to watch uh, the movie Aladdin's Lamp. Do you remember that movie, the old one? I mean, the, the, you know, they were flying on uh, flying carpets. It was really bad, you know, special effects, but uh, it was good at the time. And the whole, man, that's the thing dreams are made of. You know, for a young boy uh, thinking, you know, what if I found, and I went around rubbing every lamp in the house, you know, trying to see what if, you know, you could rub a lamp and a genie would come out and say, I'm going to grant you three wishes. You know, that might be an interesting thought to entertain, and I'd like to do that for a little bit. I want you to think about this question. What would you wish for? If you had two or three wishes, what would you wish for um, if, if no matter what it was, it could come true? You know, I think we could probably learn a lot about our character uh, by the wishes that we expressed. You know, you can learn a lot about society or a particular culture by how it um, deals with people who are helpless, how it deals with the very young infants and, and the aged how it deals with the poor. You can learn a lot about the character, the the values of a culture by just looking at how they deal with and help defenseless people. Um, That's one of the reasons why God, throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, was very concerned about the stranger who was traveling in the land, or the poor, or the elderly, or the, the children, the fatherless, um, God gave great attention to that. In fact, in James chapter 1, verse 27, pure religion is to keep oneself unspotted from the world and to visit, to help fatherless and widows. You see, the way we treat people, the way we deal with those people who are less fortunate than we are, gives an indication of our character, what we value in life. Well, along that same line, I think maybe we can learn something about people if we were to ask If you had two wishes, what would you wish for? You know, those wishes might uh, range from significant to um, rather insignificant. And again, when you're in church asking that question, you know, the church setting helps you to, to give right answers. You know, the church answer. Oh, I would wish for... Um, you know, and we would come up with two noble wishes because we're church. But what if I met you on Monday and I wasn't wearing a suit and tie and I said, if you could have two things in life, what would you want? What would it be? Now, I know a few of you here today would say, I want number wish number one, I want the Titans to beat the Steelers on Thursday. Now, I'm sure that you would waste, some of you would waste a wish on that. But we, we, we would probably wish about things like, well, give me good health. I want good health. I want a long life. Um, I want a lot of money. I, I want to have children. I want my children to be successful or healthy or long life. Um, you know, we, we would wish for things that oh, there's nothing necessarily wrong with, but sometimes we, I, I'm afraid that we would wish for some things that just are pretty insignificant. You know, I saw that cartoon. It may not strike you funny at all, but I've got a dog, and it just, 
I can, I can see us doing about that. You know, here's this dog that has three wishes, and he's just going to waste them all on being scratched, you know, petted. Uh, I think maybe we might be just like that, uh, just as insignificant. Oh, I can get two wishes? Anything? And those wishes might be as insignificant as what that dog wished for. I want to share with you from Proverbs chapter 30, an Old Testament account of a man who asked God for two wishes to be granted unto him. He didn't ask for a lot. He just said, and you know, Aladdin gave you three, but this, this man just said, I want two wishes. If I could just have two things, Lord, here's what I would want you to grant me. And I want us to look at that and compare his list to your list. You know, get that list in your mind right now before we get into the text. If you could have two things or three things, what would it be? What would you want, honestly? Well, with that in mind, let's look at what this man uh, wished for in Proverbs chapter 30. First of all, and let's begin reading in verse 8. Well, verse 7, begin. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. This man says to the Lord, Lord, I, I just want two things. Please let me have these two things before I die. Don't withhold them from me. I just want these two things. Number one, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. I don't think it takes some great analyst or uh, some, some social commentator to look at our society and to learn that integrity is noticeably lacking in our culture. I mean, where we were a generation ago, uh, where a man's word was his bond, those days are past. We can't trust people anymore. People will take us, you know, they, they do television shows on going to repair shops and, and, or buying this or that insurance and how people will manipulate and use and lie to people just to get a little bit ahead, to get a little bit of money. We live in a society that lacks integrity. Lying is so commonplace. Everyone lies. A, a survey done, well, it's been a decade ago now, showed that 91% of Americans lie on a regular basis. It's not just when they get in trouble or when they find themselves in a pinch. They just lie to lie, to make themselves look better, to, to make a story sound more exciting. Lie. Folks, I hope we don't lie. Colossians chapter 3 tells us that, you know, when you become a Christian, there's certain things that you need to quit doing. And he uses it in terms of changing clothes. Take off some of this old stuff, like stuff like lying. Get rid of that. Put, put that away from you and put on garments of righteousness and holiness and, and clean speech and so forth. Lying has become so common, and maybe even among brethren, are there people, Christians, that you know that you don't really trust their word because they've proven to you that they are not always honest? Husbands, do you ever lie to your wives? 
wives? Do you ever lie to your husbands? Children? Young people? Do you ever lie to your parents about where you are or what you've been doing or what you don't want them to know about? Do you ever lie? Do you ever lie at school? At work? To your boss? To your employees? Do you ever lie to the preacher? To the elders? Folks, we may find ourselves guilty of that very thing. The Bible is very clear about lying. Keep your place in Proverbs 30, but just flip back to Proverbs chapter 6 and listen to what the wise man says in Proverbs 6. Beginning in verse 16. These six things the Lord hates. Seven of them are an abomination. Well, a proud look, number one. Number two, a lying tongue. These are the things that God says, I absolutely hate. It's not a matter of indifference to God. If you want to get God upset and and if you want to rile his emotions, go ahead and tell a lie. God hates that. And he he hates also, um, verse 19, a false witness. He's going to list seven things that are top of his list of things that he absolutely hates. And he repeats himself on one of them. He mentions lying twice, lying tongue, false witness. It amounts to the same thing. You're not truthful. These two things God absolutely hates. Same thing in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 5. Those who lie will not go unpunished. Revelation 21 and verse 8 says that all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. When we read those passages, when we see the character of God, hates lying. And that lying will not go unpunished. And that those who lie, all who lie, will be cast into a lake of fire. What are we thinking when for convenience or embellishment or whatever it may be, we are not truthful? I I appreciate the heart of this man because he wants more than anything else in this world to have integrity, to be a man of honor, to be someone who that when people look at, they can say, now that man, I don't care what you might think of him, but I'll tell you this, you know he's telling you the truth. He's a man of integrity. Whether you agree with him or not, he stands by his convictions and his beliefs. Folks, that's, that was number one on this list. God, just please grant me this before I die. Let me be a man of integrity. Let me be a man who will not lie, who will speak the truth. Do you know how cumbersome it is when you lie? How burdensome that becomes? You have to remember who you said what to and and who you're revealing this much information to and are you going to let this person in on it? And then you you have to keep all that straight and you have to watch what you say to certain people in certain settings because you might not have them. And it just gets such a maze of trying to keep up with all this mess. Do you know how liberating it is to just to decide one day, I'm just going to be truthful. And then you can always speak the truth. And you don't have to worry about who you say it to or, or what camp they're in or who they're friends with. You just speak the truth and you be truthful and you don't have to worry about any of that. 
one of the Ten Commandments was that we should not bear false witness. We need to speak the truth. We need to be men and women of integrity. And and I'll tell you why this is so important. And maybe it's why God just calls that out of a list of sins and says, this means a lot. Because he has entrusted in our hands the gospel of Christ. He has depended upon us to take this saving message of Jesus to the world. How in the world will the world believe us about Jesus if they can't believe us about anything else? How do we expect to have a hearing with people about the most important thing in the world when I can't tell them the truth about how much they owe on a grocery bill or how much they owe me for this or that? Folks, it strikes at the heart of our mission. We cannot from, uh, never mind the, the moral ramifications, but we cannot from a pragmatic standpoint be people who are liars How can we ever influence anybody if we don't have a reputation for integrity and honesty? The mission that Jesus gave us, Ephesians chapter 1, how that, you know, he's the head of all things, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church rounds out, completes. Jesus needs us, folks. And Jesus can't get the job done unless we're people of integrity. So from a practical standpoint, Maybe one of those wishes that we need to wish for is say, Lord, help me be a person of integrity. Help me to do better in that regard. If I could just wish one thing, I would want to be honest and truthful at all times so that I might be better used in your service. That was his wish number one. I dare say that wasn't my wish or your wish in your list that you made up in your head. Wish number two, listen to what he has to say. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal and then profane the name of God. Wish number two, he just wants a life that is God-honoring. He doesn't want to be rich. He doesn't want to be poor. Now, I can understand, you know, and I'm right with him, as in chapter, or verse 8, he says, give me neither poverty, I'm right there with you. I don't want poverty. Uh, You know, that's a good wish. You know, give me a billion dollars, that would be my wish. Give me a billion dollars, make me a billionaire, and give me a long life. Here's this man who says, I want to be a man of integrity, and I I just want to have a life that honors God. I don't want to be poor. I'm with you. But then he, then he ruins everything by saying, and I don't want to be rich. What? Has he lost his mind? You've got two wishes you're going to ask God for, and you say, I don't want to be rich nor poor? Why would he say that? Why would he just want to be average? Why would he just want to, as he puts it in his words, have food that is allotted to me? We're talking about the basics of life, sustenance. Just, well, it almost sounds like what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Food, shelter, 
clothing will be added unto you. That's what he's saying. Just let me get by with daily sustenance. I don't want to be poor and I don't want to be rich. Why would a man not want to be rich? Well, he gives us the answer. And behind the reasoning behind his wish, he said, Why, if I had fullness, I might say to the Lord, who are you? I don't need you. I don't need anybody. Look how I'm doing. I'm doing just fine. I don't need anything from anybody. And he said, I, I don't want to get in that situation. I don't, I don't want to have so much that I am tempted to become self-dependent and self-reliant. I want to always know that I need you, God. And I know how hard it is to have wealth and then still not trust in that wealth. So I just don't want it. Don't, don't let me be rich because I don't want to deny you. And I don't want to say, I don't want to say, who's the Lord? What, what's he done for me? But on the flip side of that, there's no virtue in poverty. But the reason he says, I don't want to be poor is because he said, you know what, if I found myself in that situation, I might find myself doing things just as wrong, just in a different fashion. If I found myself lacking the things that I need in life, I, I might find myself out there stealing to get them. And I don't want to do that either. Because that would bring dishonor to the name of my God. So he says, just let me have an average run-of-the-mill life where I can glorify you and bring honor to your name. Keep me from the temptation of the riches that the world has to offer and keep me from the temptation that poverty brings to those who have to to deal with that. Those are his two wishes. And like I said, I don't think those are the two wishes that I would wish for and you would wish for if you were given... The, the, you know, you could rub a lamp and you have two wishes. But what this does, for me anyway, is that it tells me <clears throat> that this man was really a godly man. He realized that there was more in life than just getting ahead. There was more in life than things. There was more in life about... Uh, tricking people, manipulating them so that somehow it would be advantageous to you in some way. This man, he saw, you know, what's important in life is being honest, to be a person of integrity, and to live my life in such a way that it brings honor to God, not profane God. Here's bottom line, here's what it is. He realized what Solomon said at the end of his book in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this, this is the whole, or the whole duty of man. That's what we've been made to do. To, to, we have been made in God's image and it is our purpose in life to live for him, to bring glory to his name. This man was in tune with the mission and with the purpose of his creation. 
God, I don't want anything that can distract me from my mission of bringing glory to your name. Now that's a wish. Wonder if we could wish that for ourselves or maybe just ask you this, what would you wish for after we've listened to and read the thoughts from this very godly man in the book of Proverbs, what would you wish for? You know, we'll never have a, a, a genie's lamp or an Aladdin lamp where we can rub and, and uh, get the, the wish of our dream. But we do have a God who is all-powerful and who is willing to give us those things that are good for us. He said, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be open unto you. Ask God for the right things. Ask him for the wisdom and for the direction to, to pursue holiness and righteousness, to pursue a course of life that will bring glory and honor to him. And folks, you'll have your wish granted. That's within God's decision to answer in, a, in an affirmative way. So what about your life today? If you had two wishes, what would you wish? I'll tell you what. If when we close service out today, as soon as the last amen was said and people began to leave the aisles, if the heavens parted at that moment and Jesus returned with the shout of the angels, I know what a lot of people would be wishing. They would be wishing for another chance just a little bit more time. Let me go back five minutes and redo this. Don't be found someday. And there will be a last day. And there will be a last sermon preached. And there will be people who are unprepared to meet their God. And they will wish for something that is too late to be granted. But right now, it's within God's power to grant you one of the greatest gifts the greatest gift that you could ever receive, eternal life, forgiveness of your sins. If you wait, you might wait too long. Would you pass up a million dollars if I said it's within my power to give it to you today? All you have to do is ask for it. Would you, would you give that up? Not a chance. What if I told you that God has the power to give you Eternal life, forgiveness, an escape from a devil's hell, an eternal life in bliss. And all you have to do is respond. I hope that we think about that and make a decision that reflects the wisdom of this man in the book of Proverbs. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, obey the gospel. If you wish you could go to heaven, well then listen to Jesus, respond to what he said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't done that this morning, we'll assist you in that. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful, and you know you need to make things right. You know that if you left this building today and you didn't get things taken care of this morning, that if Jesus were to come back, you would wish that you would have done so, then do it. Don't delay. If you need to respond, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.